Welcome back to the Dichotomy Diaries. I'm your host, Amanda Arnier, joined again by the lovely Ashley. Last week, we left off on my proposal. So this week, we're going to talk about that first. Let's dive in. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Happy, beautiful October day. It's finally sunny out. It's actually the most beautiful day. And I took a tour to get here. I needed it. It's wonderful. But I'm engaged now in yeah. the storyline. Yes, you are. And um, I feel bad because, like, obviously we talked a lot about, you know, what you were anticipating leading up to that night. And, uh, I mean, were you underwhelmed? How did you feel? It's kind of split. I I was underwhelmed because I was expecting it to be showy, like we talked about, and like over-the-top filmed. I thought that he would kind of want that social credit maybe. But at the same time, I was happy because he did it. There was part of me that didn't think that he would actually do it for some reason. So even though it was underwhelming, I was still like, this is a good moment. This means we're moving forward. This means he can see me in his future. Thank God. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess we'll, we'll just talk about that night a little bit because he proposed and it was kind of midday. And of course, when you're, you get engaged, you're very excited. You want to reach out to your friends. And I, I had, called and texted basically everyone that I was talking with at the time and no one answered and I was sad and so you know it's like two three hours four hours goes by and he falls asleep on the couch and I'm just kind of sitting there just looking at my ring and like I really I want to share this with someone I want it to be a special moment and I started thinking about the ring so the ring actually was my mom's diamond from my dad and it was reset into a silver band with smaller diamonds around it. And I started thinking about like how much did this cost to to get reset because throughout the past few months I had really been sending him just like really inexpensive rings from from websites online, gold bands, gold stone or, you know, yellow stones, whatever. And I'm like, why did he spend this money to to do this? Like maybe he was like, oh, it's very sentimental. Well, spoiler alert, I know now that my mom had reached out to him at some point after we had a conversation with the bishop and was like, hey, I have my ring and you can have the diamond. We can get it reset. So she went about doing that back home in Illinois and she paid for it. So the the part about it being sentimental and, and all of that, that wasn't him. That was my mom. And she kind of, you know, took over. And I love that. And I feel so thankful that she did that because I do love the ring. But I just didn't understand at the moment. I'm like, why would you spend who know a thousand dollars or whatever it was when I've been sending you hundred dollar rings. You yeah. Know? And something that stood out to me about that, because obviously we didn't even uncover that it was 
mom who got the ring until we were going through all the notes and trying to figure stuff out. And mm-hmm. you had even reminisced and thought, oh, where did he get this money? And one thing that stood out when we called mom that she said was, well, I just felt so awful that you didn't have a ring yet and you were planning this wedding and I wanted I wanted you to have that and it was something that, you know, would mean a lot to you. And it was just so thoughtful of her. But yeah. then it just made me so angry at Dick because I'm like, how why did you get the credit for that even though too? And you did zero effort, but then still let you think that, you know? Yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I I agree. And I remember having that call with my mom just to, I mean, it was like last week, right? Mm-hmm. And it was almost like she didn't want to tell me that. Do you remember the, yeah. the she like kind of stuttered mm-hmm. because I think that there have been a lot of moments like that where she picked up his slack, but I didn't know about it and had found out later. And I feel like she felt bad for doing that. But at the same time, you're just doing it with my best intention, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I ended up making, you know, a post on social media, you know, hey, I'm engaged. And and that was, that was nice. I did get a call back from one of my best friends at the time, real late in the evening, and she FaceTimed me and she was really excited. So that made me feel better about everything. So we're engaged. Now we have a wedding date and we're engaged. And so we start moving forward with that. Um, You know, the rest of May was really a lot of just kind of quality time together. Anything that had been questionable as far as us being concerned didn't really feel exacerbated during during that month. Um, We went to do wedding registry stuff, Crate and Barrel. And that was exciting. I mean, that is a very exciting thing to do. We're picking out stuff for our future home. I would say that there was a lot of future faking in that, though, because everything that, you know, we had the little scanners, right? And he's scanning stuff that would go into a huge house. And he's like, well, we're going to have a big house soon, so we we should get this. We should get that. Okay. All right. Well, let's work on that then. Um, And things started to be delivered very soon after the registry was put up, which was cool. Money was still very tight. And so I thought about putting my car on that Turo app so that maybe we could make some extra money because I was working for paychecks, but I was mostly at home at the time. Uh, What's Turo? Turo's like, uh, how do you explain it? So it's like a -a rent-a-car service, but Mm. the cars are privately owned. So like if you wanted to rent your car out, you could make some extra money throughout the month. Um, so I cleaned it. I did that. I posted it on there. And I think I got like one, like one rental, which it wasn't a lot of money, but whatever we tried. Um, and lots of wedding planning. So his mom was in Utah. So she was doing a lot of stuff remote. My mom's in Illinois. My best friend is, is in Phoenix. And so we're just kind of trying to figure out what does the food situation look like? Music, decor. And because we were very, very low on cash. A lot of the stuff that we were looking for for the wedding was going to be secondhand stuff. It was kind of like a bohemian-themed wedding. That's cute. Yeah, it was super cute. So I really like thrifting and vintage shops. So I would go out by myself and just go walk around and find things that I felt like would go with the theme. He never really wanted any part of the 
the planning process, really. Like we had went and looked at the venue and, and that was great. He loved the venue. But as far as decor, it was always like, yeah, you just pick whatever. Yeah. And it's crazy that you're doing this all with what, two months till your wedding day? Yeah. That's wild. Actually, it's like, it's like one because oh, it's May, May. right? Oh, you're right, yeah. June. So, oh my yeah, God. I really, really planned super fast. And again, on the guest list, we had like 50 people. So it it was more like planning a big party than it was like I would think a wedding, you know, like I mean, my first wedding, I had 400 people in a huge hall, but this is more, this was easier for me, but I felt like it was more important because mm-hmm. this was real and I, I, this was going to be my forever. So I put a lot of time and thought into what I was going to have out for decor. So there'd be nights where I would go hang out with my girlfriend and we would do a lot of the planning stuff and Dick would go to, to church activities. He was going to church again and he would go alone. And I liked that. I, I felt like he's getting back to God because after we moved up north, I really felt like he just didn't show any interest and it confused me because like, hello, I'm baptized now. Why are we, why did you just like hit that threshold? And it's like, okay, good. I completed my task as a missionary of God. Yeah. So wait, but were you sure that he was going to church activities this whole time? Yeah. So he would send like, he would send like photos. Like one of the things, one of the nice, I think it was like painting or something like that. Again, very adolescent kind of activities, but he would send send me a picture of what he painted. So I know at least for part of the time, you know, he was there and that made me feel good. And again, that's a good question because there's anxiety around us not being together physically at this point because of what has happened and you know, kind of just running away moments. And I'm like very inside, I'm scared that Mm -hmm. that's going to happen again. So the next, uh, you know, major thing that happened in May was EDC. And EDC, Electric Daisy Carnival, is one of the biggest EDM music festivals that there is. And it's in Las Vegas. And it's three days. The tickets he had told me we were going to get from his best friend, the one with the big house and that he had kind of escaped to before. And was doing like his online stuff in the guy's bedroom? Yes, that one. Okay, okay. And the thing about this guy is that he's kind of like an over-promise, under-deliver guy. He he knows everybody and he can get tickets to anything. But typically when it came down to it, there were no tickets. And so we're driving to Las Vegas and we actually, it was like right when we got into town, he was like, oh, hey, Dick, I couldn't get the tickets. Oh, no. Wait, you guys have been planning this for months because yes. you thought this is when he was going to propose. So this yes. was like on your calendar yes. for a long time. Oh, for sure. Because Elenium's oh, no. playing mm-hmm. at the main stage. Our song is an Elenium song. And I'm like, that would be the perfect proposal, of course. Well, now we have to buy tickets. But our our financial situation sucked. Mm -hmm. And he wanted, you know, Dick wanted VIP tickets because we have to go big or go home. And that's where his friend was going to be at. So we couldn't even get GA. So I'm not even sure how he managed or we managed to to scrounge up that money because I'm sure it was somewhere around $1,000 for the two tickets. And so... Did he just present the tickets and was like, hey, I got them, and you didn't no, ask questions? We 
I think that he ended up buying them secondhand on some like Facebook group or something. And we had to go pick them up from Will Call before we actually got to his friend's house. So we got the tickets and I'm like, okay, you know, in the moment and it hindsight is 2020, right? There's a lot of things that still have to be paid for. I'm sure that there are bills late, but I'm in this moment where it feels really good. He's excited. I'm excited. It's like, okay, let's just like forget about all of like the external stressors and just have a fantastic weekend because we know when we dance and we know when we're raving, that's like a great connection time for us. Right. And I mean, you're already there, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, okay, well, we have to, we have to go yeah. now. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to miss it for sure. I've always wanted to go mm-hmm. to EDC. So I, I was excited. Okay. Um, so you got the tickets at least. Yes. And so we're staying with a friend. He is supplying all of the party favors. Um, Can we have like a nickname for this friend? Because I know he's going to come into play later. And I feel like. Yes. What do we call him? Asshole? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's best friend that Dick runs away to all the time. Yeah. Uh, we can call him Matt. Let's call him Matt. Okay. That'll, that'll work out well. So, yeah. Matt actually asks us to go pick up a friend who flew in to Vegas and is going to go to EDC with us all three nights. So we drive down on the strip. I believe we picked him up from Caesars. And this guy got in her car and, and, and he's just so loud and vivacious and funny. And I... I'm just like, okay, it's not just going to be Dick and Matt, which they're kind of like bros and they hang out together. Now I have somebody that I can kind of link arms with and, you know, frolic. So that was great. Um, EDC night one was really great. I mean, walking into EDC as a first timer. So it's at the racetrack. So it's a big bowl. And so you walk in and you're above everything and all of the stages and the lights are just down at the bottom. And it was like this overwhelming experience of, ooh, I'm going to go be in that and it's going to be so great. And you can hear the bass and yeah, just awesome. We took a lot of videos and we really, um, we kind of just danced the night away until four o'clock in the morning. I think it ended at five, but we tried to get out to avoid traffic. So first, you know, night Four one's in, in the, the books. morning. Yes. Where do you I get know. the energy for that? I know. I think that we actually, yeah, we actually stayed up super, super late all of the nights. But typically they have sunrise fireworks at the end of every night. But I'm like, okay, we can do that night two or three. We don't need to. So we got back to Matt's house and we're just getting ready to go to bed. And there's this smoke alarm that's going off in the room. And so, again, this guy has a gigantic house. The ceilings are probably, like, 20 feet tall. And I'm looking up at it like we cannot have that while we sleep because, you know, we're kind of rolling and this is – it's hard to sleep anyways. So Dick is like, all right, come here. Get on my shoulders and, you know, take it down. No. So I'm like <laughs> – Why am I nervous? <laughs> Dude, again, rolling still and yeah. he wants me to do acrobatic <laughs> stuff. I'm like – Come on. But he's strong, right? So I'm like, there's no way that I'm there. This is going to be fine. He'll just hold my ankles and and I'll be good. So I get on his shoulders. My body is just shaky, rolly. And I'm standing on his shoulders and I'm trying to reach the smoke alarm, which is probably so loud. 
And actually, it's so much higher than yeah. I could even reach. So I'm like, <laughs> I can't do this. And then I start to fall. Okay. And so I fell. He's like 5'11". I fell from five foot 11 inches in the air, just flat on my face. (gasps) And it like shocked me. And I like hit my elbow on the nightstand. And I was more like shocked than I was hurt. But he was like, cry like he was like oh my god are you okay like I'm so sorry that I did that he like held me like in his arms like a baby like rocking me he's like I'm so sorry I'm so so sorry and that was like the weirdest first time that I ever saw him like scared for me and and that's why I bring that up is because like in that moment I was like oh wow this guy really does love me like he was scared that he hurt me and like he's he's making sure that he know that I know that hmm Yeah, that actually was not the reaction I thought he would have. Yeah, I thought that, I I thought that he would be mad that I fell, actually. But then it was polar opposite, and I was like, oh, okay. And again, I feel like this is kind of alluding to the small little kind of breadcrumbs of love moments that I get that I attach myself to, because they come so few and far between. So that's why I think that that is such a a pinnacle moment for me is because I really truly felt it there I don't know but he was also on ecstasy so yes that that's true and that really does make a a big difference Mm -hmm. so EDC night two during the day I had kind of said something to him along the lines of you know it's really fun to be here with you and Matt um and and Matt's friend but like I wish I had like a girlfriend here and my best friend lived in Las Vegas for the past eight, nine years, the same amount of time I lived in Arizona, but we weren't talking at this time, which kind of is how our friendship has been. We're just like sisters and so hard-headed, whatever. And he was like, well, you should call her. And I felt uncomfortable doing it. And I didn't want to really like, what if she said, no, my day would be ruined. So he ended up picking up the phone and reaching out to her. And she was receptive and he invited her to come with I guess Matt had extra passes and you know he was like she can just have one of those I'm like wow that's so cool because now I get to enjoy this wonderful first time experience not only with him but with my best friend and catch up with her and I was so excited for her to meet him oh she hasn't met him yet she has not met it we we literally I don't think that we talked for a whole year okay before EDC so we went and and picked her up and ironically Dick had lived in the same apartment complex as her like once upon a time and so that was interesting and they just kind of bonded over that and it's just a lot of catching up but again this is a friend from I've been friends with her for 20 years so it's like we picked up where we left off and mm-hmm. I think she could really, she said something along the lines, like, I'm so happy to see that you're happy. And like, look at this guy, like he thought so much, he loves you so much that he reached out to me to have me there with you, Mm -hmm. which I felt like was really special. Mm -hmm. Also, what's up, kitten? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yes. And night two was great. Um, Everybody, we have kind of like matching outfits. They're very provocative and revealing. He has his shirt off and everyone kept complimenting us and, you know, saying stuff like, you guys are so in love and 
like your vibe is so your energy is so good your vibe so strong so it was very affirming of of our relationship night three was the big night that's when elenium was playing and i had gotten a extremely revealing outfit that with my self-esteem as it's been over the years it's not something that i would wear like I would, I would never pick it up, even try it on. Okay, explain to me this outfit. I yes. want to know every detail. <laughs> so, essentially, it was like a cap sleeve bodysuit. The bottom was—I don't think it was a thong, but it was just kind of like it, it snapped. Whatever. The whole thing was mesh, like completely mesh. I think underneath the boobs had like some kind of fabric, but I had to wear pasties with it if that hot. Yeah. I mean, it was very revealing, but knowing what, I mean, at EDC, some people just wear pasties, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm like, okay. And I remember asking him like, is this too revealing? And he's like, no, you look great. You look fantastic. Like, okay, that makes me feel really good. So I felt so confident to walk around in this outfit, just essentially just butt ass naked with all of these people around. And I felt good. And I felt like he was looking at me like, you're so pretty. And so Elenium's going to start and we are in the VIP area. So we're pretty close. We have, you know, great view and he starts playing all of our songs and we know every single word to every single song. And so we're just like in this, what seemed like sphere that nobody, I couldn't, I wasn't paying attention to anybody else around us. It was just me and him. And we have videos of like us just across from each other, singing word for word to each other, hugging at the good parts, kissing, like looking up at the fireworks. It was a very like magical moment for, for me. And I felt like for him too, at some point, probably more than halfway through the set, he grabbed me and he whispered in my ear, and he's like, give me your your ring. And I didn't wear my engagement ring. I had like a, a plastic or a rubber band, whatever. So I didn't lose it. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I'm going to give you the proposal that you deserve. Oh. And I'm like, oh, so I was right. He was going to do it here, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, uh, when, when he starts playing our song. So I give him the ring. He tells uh, Matt's friend here, take my phone and record it. And we're in the circle. People are all around us just like vibing it. Look at them. They're so cute. And Elenium starts the next song and we're waiting for ours to come on in your arms. And then the set ends. (gasps) Yeah. And he didn't play our song. And so I didn't even get <laughs> oh, the se- no. I didn't even get the secondary fake <laughs> oh. proposal. Ew! But in retrospect, was it divine intervention? It, I don't know. It might have been. Honest. He's never not played that song when yeah. we've seen him. So I thought, especially at EDC, I'm like, that's so mm-hmm. wild that he didn't. But okay, I basically was like, oh, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, it's the thought. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah. At least it was a good trip. You guys sounded like you had a lot of fun. He got to meet yeah. best friend Kitten. They hit it off. So Yeah, and now I'm I'm in communication with her again, and we have a wedding date that's coming up. And I, I asked her to come to the wedding, which I think she was pretty shocked about. But I, I wanted her there. It's important for me to have my best friend there. So we head back to 
Arizona. And sorry, I can't see. The guy that we had picked up from the strip was actually, he wanted to keep in touch. He lived in Colorado. He was a, a luxury real estate guy. And we just vibed really well. He is actually from Italy and he was on the Italian figure skating Olympic team. And so, sorry, there's like a kitty cat. No, it's okay. Everywhere. I know I'm a, I'm a kitty cat jungle gym yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> and so we were just we kept in touch, and he was like, you know, I just felt you guys have the best vibe, and you really love each other, and you don't really see that nowadays. And I would love to come to the wedding, like if that's okay. I don't know if that's awkward for for me to ask. And I was like, oh, dude, that's great because I'm meeting new people, and my friends have kind of dwindled off you know so I'm like hey why not and was he like romantically connected with um Dick's best friend Matt because you guys it sounded like a double date yeah, when you that, first hung out but I didn't that, know so that's kind of interesting actually so I had thought initially when Matt said go pick up this guy that we were going to pick up his boyfriend because I had never I had never seen Matt with another guy like that I, I I know he's gay, but I'd never seen him date or anything. When this friend got in the car, he was telling us about his husband. So I'm like, no, it can't be. But I don't think that Matt knew that he had a husband. Or maybe he did, he just didn't care. But I think from Matt's perspective, he was interested in this friend. But the friend was like, oh, God, no. Mm. No, 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 no. I'm here. We're friends. Okay, well, so cool Italian ice skater guy. You guys are friends. He wants to come to your wedding. Yes. Um, so you have a pretty fun group coming so far, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely friends, family, all of that. I do remember I did get really sick after after EDC. I don't think that it was COVID, but it was just like I was sick, sick. And I was nervous that it was going to be COVID. And again, we have less than a month to plan now. So... Dick actually had reached out to a friend, he said, that lived in Boston. Now, I had heard about this Boston guy a bit because when I had talked to him about like his testosterone stuff that he gets, he would say, oh, this is the doctor that prescribes it to me. Oh, okay, cool. I had no idea that this doctor was gay I also had no idea, like, that they had a more-than-doctor-patient relationship. How'd you find that out? So he calls the doctor, and he's like, we want to make sure we don't get COVID. And at that time, they had, like, the COVID antiviral, where if you take it, if you... It, it basically would, like, shorten your COVID. So we got a prescription. We go and we pick it up from the store, and I see this guy's name on the prescription bottle. So I look it up and I'm like, okay, like they're friends, they're connected on social media. All right. And I basically just flat out asked him, I'm like, who's Sean? And he's like, oh, that's the doctor. And I was like, okay. So I just kept that name in the back of my mind. Well, kind of fast forward a little bit, like a few weeks, I remember seeing the name in an email that I got from Sleep Number. 
so we have a sleep number bed, right? And and I'm like, why is Sean's name on the emails for the sleep number? That's so weird. Right. Like it would say, hi, <laughs> Sean. It would say, hi, Sean. Here, here's a deal for your sleep number bed. I'm like, that's, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, well, he bought it for me. Dr. Sean bought your bed? Apparently. Okay. It's like a $10,000 bed. So now I'm like, that's a sugar daddy. Mm-hmm. Why else would a strange doctor buy a, a $10,000 bed? Like, what do you mean? So, of course, we commit that name to memory just for, for future needing. The rest of May, there's just like a lot of cute things that I'm doing just to kind of like, I want to, I want to continue to date each other. I want to, I'm making dinners. I'm, I'm doing cute date nights just to, I don't want him to run away again. (laughs) I don't want him to run away. And it, it terrified me. So, so what is like making you, I mean, cause what you just told me, it sounds like things are pretty good. You came back from a great trip. So what's in your subconscious that's making you feel like he's going to leave? Just the simple fact that it had happened before. So it's unresolved completely. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like because he had told me he basically lived his entire life in in, uh, survival, like fight or flight mode. It's weird because now I'm starting to feel that. Like I'm starting to feel this overwhelming like energy. I'm kind of like always on edge waiting for the next shoe to drop. I'm scared to like kind of leave the house and I don't even have a lot of friends left around me anymore. So even if I did have an opportunity to leave, I was kind of skeptical about taking it because I just, I don't know, I was terrified, truly. I just wanted to get through the wedding. On I, I did. So June is really a lot of just wedding planning stuff. And Dick is now working at paychecks, right? But it's weird because initially he had started going into the office. Well, that's like tapered back now. He's not going into the office. But if you're not going to the office, you would think that I would see him pulling out his laptop and doing some work at home making calls. That wasn't even happening. So I started getting calls from his supervisor, who was kind of like my equal, and he'd be like, hey, is, is Dick working? And I'd be like, babe, like, you have to log on. You have to do the minimal. Like, even if you're not really trying and this isn't, you know, now you really don't want to do this, you don't want to get fired. So just do the bare minimum so it looks like you're working and then we'll figure it out after the wedding and figure out what you want to do. So June 4th actually was our shower day that my girlfriend planned for me at her house and she went above and beyond it was like citrus themed it was so cute everything that I could have asked for we have all of our presents there and I think before we head over I had to go to the store for something without Dick and I get a text from him and he's like hey is it cool if I go to Vegas like the guys are having a guys night I don't know it was like UFC or sports And I go, it's literally our wedding shower day. What do you mean? Yeah. And he's like, why do I have to be there? It's a shower. And I'm like, it's not a baby shower. It's a wedding shower. It's for us. Our friends are going to be there. 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to a shower, mine included, where the husbands were not there. And sometimes maybe like they're not there for the games, but then they come for the gifts. Right. You know, like they're absolutely they have a presence at some point. Yeah, literally everyone I've been to, the groom has been there. So yeah, whatever. I was just like super irritated because my girlfriend had put a lot of time. She spent a lot of money and like it's our friends. We don't get to see our friends that much. So like come along, show face. If they, I always was trying to set up an opportunity for him to like make a better impression than he had, you know? Yeah. Did he end up going? He did end up going. And so we got there. And we got there on time. And truthfully, this is like the most devastating thing up to this point. No one showed up. It was really sad. Did they RSVP? A few of them did. A lot of them didn't. And some people said no. But I think that there were, we were expecting like maybe 10 people. And like nobody showed up. And I felt, so I'm feeling bad about that because I'm like, okay, my friends fucking hate me. But then I feel even worse for my girlfriend who put all of this time in decorating and making this moment special for me. And I didn't want her to feel like she didn't do a good job. And so we really just, it was like my girlfriend, her fiance, Dick and me, and we just like had a shower, like just us. And it was so strange. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It was. She's a solid friend though. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's great. And I, I'm so thankful that she states away or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) you know, yeah, it was just really strange. But in the evening, like the the nightcap for that was that we actually my favorite DJ besides Elenium, Morgan Page, was playing at Talking Stick Resort, which is like down the street. And so we wanted to go see Morgan Page. Okay, we ended up actually meeting up with like three or four of my friends there, which was cool. Cause I'm like, okay, fine. Like some people love me, <laughs> like it's okay. And that was, that was a good time. It was weird though. Again, so it's June. People are in there. It's, it's at outside by the pools where the stage was. So people are in their bathing suits. And so I'm in my bathing suit. Dick takes his shirt off, whatever. We're just kind of vibing to the music. And I just remember like Morgan Page is a, I'm not sure if it's house music. I don't know. Whatever it is. He has a lot of gay fans. And and normally that would, that's totally fine. But I remember all of these gay guys like walking. I'm dancing with Dick. And these gay guys are like walking past him and like grabbing his ass. And like, he's not really reacting. Did he like it? Dude, (laughs) if any, like, if, if your husband... Got his ass grabbed. It's actually happened. He, I mean, it's, we're cool about it. It's but the it, mustache. It, I think yeah, you know what, what I mean. What it's that. I, I don't know. I just kind of thought based on how he has spoken about the gay community, like, I feel like he's homophobic and I don't really like that about him, but I expected a response like that. So I was kind of like up in arms, like, okay, like, is there going to be a fight or whatever? But he just let but it go But he has so by. many friends in that community. I it's know. It doesn't make sense. A conundrum. Very, very, yeah. very weird. Okay. So that was that night. I, I had fun and I danced all of the kind of embarrassment from the shower away. Oh. We are going through June and I get an email from my rental office, like rent rent's late. Now Dick had been working at paychecks for 
quite a while now. I hadn't seen any any paychecks come through from that job, which is kind of strange. Did you ask? I did, and he said that he didn't get one yet. And I'm like, okay. But you know how that works because you're getting I'm paychecks regularly. I'm working company. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know that they're on schedule, that they're not behind. It's an HR company. You think they're just going to not pay you for, for four months, whatever. So did you look into it? I don't think that I did. I think that I was like, okay, yeah, it'll come. And then it just never came. Ugh. I also thought he was having them deposited into our joint account and maybe that they were going into his personal. He probably gambled it, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, that... At the end of the day. But it's like, why are you getting a job to help out with everything if you're not, like, contributing at all? And, I mean, to talk more about the gambling, we were gambling together still in the evenings. And one of the things I wanted to touch on here, too, is you would think that somebody who is kind of understanding now that their partner has a gambling problem would would be like stop gambling right like you shouldn't do that if you follow like the addiction kind of thing you're like yeah you shouldn't enable it you shouldn't enable it but for me I felt like if I showed an interest in it which I did I started to really like it and and I was kind of good at it and then I would be gambling with him and I would see how much money he was gambling. So it wasn't this big question mark looming all the time. How much money is he spending? How much money does he have? Because he would, you know, put together a bet and he'd be like, hey, babe, what do you think about this? And he'd show it to me and I'd be like, "Eh, take that one off. And I don't know what, $500 on a 12 team parlay, like maybe, you know, like a hundred. So I was kind of able to like drive that a little bit. Yeah, I guess I'm glad you clarified because you, in your mind, you were probably thinking, well, I'd rather be involved with it and have him tell me up front instead of hiding it. I mean, we know now talking about it, he was still probably gambling with you and without you. 100%. But... Which is the naive part of of me not knowing that much about gambling addiction. Yeah. It's an all day, every day kind of thing. And so I truly thought at that moment, it was like, oh, right now, these next three hours, this is our gambling time. Whatever he spends here is what he's he's gambling. And then I know I was really just trying to like alleviate that question mark in my mind on that topic, because I think at, at one point when we lived in the other house together, he had said something just point blank to me, like, I will never stop gambling. Mm. So don't ask me. And so I was like, all right, I can't ask him. To stop gambling. But at least you could have some sense yeah. of control over it. Maybe. I think more so I just wanted to know how much money he was yeah. how much winning was going and, and losing out. and yeah. stuff like that. Because that would give me a better idea as to why he wasn't able to contribute to the bills or to whatever. Because it didn't make sense to me before. But now I have a better idea. Right. And he's excited in these moments. So he's really like highlighting, oh my gosh, we just won, you know, $3,000. Okay. And I'm like this, cool, we can pay for things, you know? So he's he's in a pretty happy mood. You know, he's not working, but I'm assuming that he's getting paid. He's just not giving it to me. He's leaving me little love notes around. Um, 
I was out for work one day at a, a client meeting or something in downtown Phoenix, and I came back and he wasn't there. And as you guys all know now, it's like, this is a common theme and it's scary for me. And in the moment when I come home and he's not there, it's at a time I'm assuming he's supposed to be there. Yeah. He was just, he didn't say he was going anywhere. Okay. And I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't tracking him or anything like that. I was just assuming I was coming home to my fiance and there's like a little note and the note says, I'll be back. I'm never leaving you. And it was on the fridge. And I'm like, I'm not leaving you, but I just left. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck do you mean? Oh, no. You're never leaving me? I'm like, wh- it's hard for me to understand why just telling me beforehand is not a thought that crosses his mind at all. Maybe it's because he thinks I'll say no. But like, fucking try it one time, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, so where did he go? <laughs> he went to Vegas, where he always goes, because it was Matt's birthday. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But like, why weren't you invited? Why wasn't I not? Like, I we just went to EDC with him. Like, yeah. he seems to like me. We talk about things. Like, I don't understand. So I start, we're having a text conversation. I'm a little bit pissed off, you know? And I, I just decide that, like, fuck this. I'm going to go out. If he's going to leave me, then I'm going to go out, which I haven't really done in a while. So I, like, get all cute, and I call up one of my girlfriends, and I'm like, let's do something. Let's go get cocktails. Okay, fine. Yeah, let's do it. She's like, okay. So we head to a bar and I think that I like took a picture of myself, like looking all cute. And I sent it to him and I was like going out for happy hour. And his response was so fucking weird. He was like, oh, enjoy happy hour. I'm going to fucking block you now. What? And I'm like, huh? What? You know, I'm with my girlfriend. It's just us. Like uh, now I'm now I'm like explaining to him, like, don't be mad. It's okay. And he's like, oh, like you, you don't have any friends and you you're on my ass and up my ass and around me all the time. And you don't ever go out by yourself. I never have a minute alone. And then the minute that I leave, you get all like hot and go to happy hour. He's like, fuck you. And I'm like, wow. And then he blocks me. And. The the abandonment and the blocking, like, trigger something physical in my body to, like, where I can't really think. I start, like, kind of shaking, tremoring my hands. I'm sweating so bad. And I'm just in this fog of panic. And it feels horrible. And now I was just trying to go out and have a good time with my girlfriend who I haven't seen in a while. And especially because you're sad because he just left. Yeah. So you're just trying to, yeah. I just, I wanted, I sent the picture to him because I wanted him to see like, hey, I'm not upset about you going. Look at, even I'm going to go out and it's mm-hmm. okay. And it completely backfired on me. And well, I was like. Well, he got exactly what he wanted. He just literally picked a fight with you and blamed you for no reason, scared you. And now he can do whatever he wants because it's, that's how I just took it, hearing this. And it pisses me off. But Yeah, it's. He even, like, proceeded to unblock me and, like, send two texts that were, like, so fucking cruel. They were, like, 
you know, you're always up my ass and you, you're making me miserable even when I'm not there. He's like, how are you so debilitatingly insecure that you need to, to be constantly up my ass? Like, it's so crazy, blocks me again. Oh my gosh. So he just succeeded in ruining your night? That's awesome. Yeah, like, thank you. So the next day... I, he had unblocked me and reshared his location. And, and, you know, in hindsight, I look back at all of these moments when he did this and I was like, he just needed someone to talk to. That's why he did that. It wasn't because he was sorry. There was never a sorry. Like, well, it makes me think, what the fuck was he doing all night that he felt like he got you back and could unblock you again? I don't know. Just my crazy head, but... I mean, I, th- I think that I saw on, like, Matt's social media that he went out to a really nice dinner and it was, like, him... Matt and Dick and then, you know, somebody maybe from the casino, whatever. But I was, I just, I was just so angry that night. I think I just went to bed really early. And so the next day, um, he's just telling me about the dinner and acting as if nothing had happened. And then he tells me that the Hawaii sugar daddy is ironically in Las Vegas Oh, how ironic. I'm like, oh, wow, that's so, <laughs> wow, the stars have aligned? What do you mean? I'm like, okay, so are you going to see him? So, like, let's pause here for a second. I told that guy on the phone, please stop because it makes me uncomfortable and this is our relationship. And now he's there and I'm like, okay, like, I'm asking Dick, are you going to see him? Because apparently you're telling me about it because you're going to go see him, right? And he's like, yeah, he's going to take me shopping. Okay. I just, I I need clarification really quick. Yes. So I'm assuming all of, at this point in this story now, like these are not friends. These are are clients. Obviously you keep calling them sugar daddies. So are you, everyone has to get something out of some exchange. So are you assuming that Dick's exchange in this is just photos or do you have any inclination that he's actually an escort? Because now at this point, I feel like there's enough questions that you can address where your head's at there. Totally. So I had asked initially when I uncovered anything relating to escorting, if it was physical, like, and I know that that sounds stupid because everyone is like, yeah, of course they're physical, Amanda. But like, I'm like, okay, this person's going to take you shopping. What do they get out of it? And his response was companionship. Okay. Like elaborate. He was like, these guys are just like, not cute, like just kind of ugly, homely but rich gay guys and you know dick being the person he is is like i'm hot and people look at me and they enjoy the guys enjoy everyone looking at them thinking oh wow look at that guy with this hot stud so you really think that it's like an arm candy situation at that point yeah but why because i couldn't fathom the fact that he would do anything like that. I couldn't wrap my head around, I couldn't even wrap my head around knowing that he had done similar stuff in the past, but he had shown me that, like, he was remorseful and regretful about that. He's going to church, like, we're getting married. The one thing that he always said, he was like, I will never cheat on you. 
I will never, ever cheat on you. And he even backed it up by saying, I really like, I've cheated on most of the women that I've been with. And this is some, I'm, I'm being different and I'm being better because I love you. And, and so I always just went back to that and I'm like, okay, like maybe I understand that. But at this time, like, has he, did he admit when you talk about like his past stuff that Mm -hmm. he had had sexual experiences with men as well as women? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he had told me that he had. But now he's saying he does not ever do that. Correct. In the past, he said that the sexual experiences that he had had with men, he got paid a fuck ton of money to do it and he never wanted to do it. But that was not something that he ever wanted to do again because he's straight. You know? Okay. So that's really where my head was at with it. Like, I didn't want him to even go shopping with this person because Mm -hmm. it made me uncomfortable because I felt like they were predatorial, really. I Truthfully, I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe you just think that it's companionship. But to me, because I had had similar experiences, sugar dating and whatnot, even if someone said it's just companionship, you know that they're asking the whole time you're a companion to them, hey, do you want to go back to the room? Or, you know, like, let's go to the car. Like, they're always like kind of prompting stuff that I know I didn't want. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is like sparking like the protective and I'm like, but you're assuming that Dick has boundaries? Yes. With these? I'm assuming that he has boundaries, and I'm assuming okay. that what he he's telling me is the truth. And I know that that might sound stupid from the outside, but, like, I couldn't even mentally picture him doing anything with a man, let alone this fucking guy. Right. And, like, I also think it's a good point that you've brought up multiple times. You guys had a really healthy sex life. Yeah, absolutely. So- there was, I didn't really feel like there, he was ever lacking in that area. You know, sex twice a day, every day, like BJ's and everything sprinkled in spontaneously. Like <laughs> Jesus girl, dude, dude was, <laughs> dude was happy and, and outwardly fulfilled, let's just say. So okay, I, I couldn't see so, that, that I couldn't see that was happening. All right. So he's shopping with Hawaii sugar daddy. Yes. And then, what does he get on this shopping spree? Oh, dude, it's so weird. He sent me, like, they went to, like, Neiman Marcus and, like, Nordstrom, and he's sending me the receipts, like, showing me. And I'm like... What a dick. Why? Why are you doing this? Because, again, financial situation, I haven't been able to get my hair done, to get my nails done, to shop for myself in months. There's packages showing up for him every day at the door, but not for me. Yeah, and, and that's now, not vain because... Girl needs to get her hair done. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I, yeah. I, you got to take care of yourself <laughs> so you feel good and whatever. So he was staying, remember now, he's there for Matt's birthday. And he's staying at Matt's house, which I'm familiar with. That night, he doesn't go back to Matt's house. His location, the last time I talked to him, he was out. And then his location ends up at a hotel. Ugh. <laughs> and. Sorry. I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm yeah. freaking out. And I'm like, I'm going to drive to Las Vegas. This is insane. I noticed that the hotel is a Marriott hotel. And I remember back to the one from the Florida abandonment. That was also a Marriott hotel. So I'm thinking, okay, Sugar Daddy is a Bonvoy member. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, wait, you do not drive to Vegas, do you? I don't, no, oh. thank God. I know, oh. I wish I would. Okay, But okay. I did, but yeah. I, I was kind of crazy in that moment too because I'm freaking the fuck out. I'm like, is he in that room with this fucking guy? You know, like, yeah, I'm he losing is, my mind. Sure. So <laughs> I, I text Matt and I was like, why is Dick at a hotel? Did you guys get in a fight? What's going on? Explain. And he's like, I don't know, I haven't talked to him. I'm like, fucking unlikely, you lying piece of shit. And then I don't hear from either one of them. In the morning, the next morning, I got just bitched out from Dick. Why would you call Matt? And you're fucking crazy. And I'm like, why the fuck are you at a hotel? Yeah. I need his explanation immediately. Yeah. I, I mean, I do too. But it's like, we just really never get it. Really? So, but don't you think when he comes home, like, don't you, I mean, you have I to think- know he was in the hotel with Hawaii guy, right? I think he said that he wanted to stay in a hotel that he didn't want to stay with Matt because Matt was like pissing him off. And so that the Hawaii guy was like, okay, here, here you go. Bought him a separate room. Yeah, that's. Oh, okay. okay. And <laughs> I know. It's I know. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, we, know we just know now. But yeah. And hindsight again, 2020. I think that like all of this is really me just avoiding fights because like. The wedding day for me is is not the finish line, but it's the finish line of this chapter. And I'm like, I want to get to it so bad. And I just feel like everything's going to be so much better and different after that because that's a covenant and like it's a big deal. And so I just really didn't want to ruffle any feathers there. Yeah, it doesn't help that he texts you first thing in the morning and before you can even be mad, he gets mad at you for something. That's yeah, it's it's like always happening. So he was supposed to come home the following day and he was supposed to be home in the morning. And actually, weirdly enough, he actually went to like a friend of my, like one of my close friends in Vegas, went to his house and they had like a shaman come over and they did DMT. Without you? One, <laughs> so, I don't oh. I don't ever want to do DMT. I mean, I don't, do you want to explain to listeners like what DMT is? Like I... Oh, gosh. Can we get Frankie on the line? <laughs> no, I, mean, so from, I haven't listened to enough Joe Rogan to give that explanation. But from, yeah. from my understanding, DMT is is a secretion from like a, a Sonoran toad and like you smoke it and you're supposed to have like five minutes of just like otherworldly experiences. Yeah, with like a guy. There's like a little a guy, train. right? It's like a yeah. gnome or like an angel. Let's go through your brain. Yeah. yeah. And then afterwards, you're supposed to kind of like mushrooms have this like better understanding of who you are and what your purpose is and stuff. So he wanted to do that because the mushrooms have been so great for him. And so he does that and he recorded it and he sent it to me and I was like, Wait, is- I have to see this video later. Yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> okay. It's, it's Can so you weird. It? <laughs> I think in the video... So he smokes a DMT. The shaman is like sitting there, like kind of holding his hands. And it takes like maybe like all five seconds to kick in. So once it kicks in, they want you to like lay back. So you see him like slowly laying back. And I'm I'm pretty sure that he was lowly whispering like the whole time he was like, quote unquote, under. He was like saying like, love love like something like saying the word love like over and over again and I'm like what okay and it didn't really last long because then all of a sudden you know he's sitting back up and he's like wow that was crazy but mentally 
it's supposed to seem like a lot longer than it actually is. And what he had said was that there was like two angels and they were like kind of holding his hands and like kind of guiding him through stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, that seems similar to like what I've seen on documentaries. Like, mm-hmm. how do you feel? He's like, I feel good. I feel good. I'm coming home. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So he shows up with, you know, 97 bags of designer clothes. I would say probably about $3,000 worth of just really, really nice designer shit, golf clothes, Tom Ford, cologne, just everything. And so is he going to sell all that and help you pay rent or? Uh, no, it's it's his. It's so he could look so great. Do you think at some point when you're going shopping with a sugar daddy and you have a fiance at home that you know has not been able to shop or do anything that you would be like, let's just get one thing nice for her. One thing. Never. And I'm like, that that just always really, really pissed me off. Um, and yeah, then I, I, I more wish he would just sell it and help with this bare minimum. Yeah, honestly. it's, it's yeah. true. Ironically, I think the day after he got back was his final like uh, custom suit fitting, which he looked fantastic in. And he was supposed to pay for the other part of it, but I don't think that he had any cash. So I think that I had to kind of tell the guy, oh, I'll get you the rest before the wedding day. Like, don't worry, I got it. So we're around the middle of June now. And my mom wanted to come in just to kind of help prep with everything. So I think we're like June 15th. She comes in and she just wanted to make sure like whatever last minute things needed to be done, she was there for us. So she was staying at our house. And so she's at the house. And one night, I think that I got an email maybe. And... It was something about OnlyFans, and I click on it, and and the profile, his profile for OnlyFans is up and active, and it says that he has been on it in, like, the last 30 minutes. What the fuck? So and he's home right now? He's home. He's, <laughs> he's downstairs with my mom. I'm upstairs. Okay. And I'm like, okay, we didn't talk about this. Again, I'm not an anti-OnlyFans but like, we should have a conversation if you're going to start diving back into this. So I subscribed to it. I think it was like $9.99. And I'm looking and there was photos posted within the last hour. And they're just flat out dick pics. Oh my God. So you and your mom are chilling downstairs and he's... he No, he's downstairs with okay. my mom. I'm upstairs I'm like, what the fuck? So I take a screenshot of it. I send it to him. I'm still upstairs. I send it to him and I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, I didn't post those. And I go, what the, What do you mean you didn't post those? And he's like, well, I'm having someone manage my, my OnlyFans. And like, those are old pictures. First question why do you have OnlyFans again? And we didn't talk about this. Two, I can tell that those aren't old pictures. I know your dick. <laughs> also, my bedding is in the picture. No. Oh, no. Like, dude, oh the worst lies. I'm like, take that down right now. He's like, I'm so pissed at... Okay, because let me explain this too. In the Findom 
kind of space, financial domination, there are people who want to be dominated by an alpha straight, quote unquote, male who are gay men. And if they don't have money, what do they give him in exchange for his domination? Well, some of them give their time or their service. There was one in particular, a guy who lives here in Illinois, okay, who is like a poor dude, very weird, lives in the mom's basement kind of guy. And he was like a techie guy. So he was always the one previously before we had met kind of managing Dick's socials and stuff for that. And he was like telling me that this guy was doing it again. And I'm like, well, fucking tell him to stop and take that down right now. What are you doing? Okay. So I'm kind of pissed. We're not really talking. I go to bed. I wake up the next morning. I'm, I'm working. It's midweek. My mom's still there. He's supposed to be working, but he's not. And I have to take a call and I have to take it in our office. I have to present. So I close the door and I'm presenting. And I think that it was probably like 45 minutes to an hour that I was in there. So I finish up my call and I come out just kind of expecting them both to be in the living room, whatever. And my mom's just like sitting there on the couch and I'm like, where's Dick? And she's like, oh, well, I don't know. He was kind of in and out, but like he, maybe he's outside. Okay. We live in like a kind of an apartment complex. So what would he be doing outside? He's in the garage working on something like, no. <laughs> and I grab my phone cause I'm starting to get this terrified feeling and his location isn't on and my stomach drops and I'm like there's no possible way at all that he could be abandoning me right now like with my mom in the living room like there's no way yeah and how long is this after you guys get in the confrontation about his page being back up one day. So within the day. Within, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was the night before this was okay. kind of the, the next morning. And I was like, what was he doing when I was on the call? I'm asking my mom. And she's like, I don't know. He was just in and out. I didn't really, I wasn't really like paying attention, but mind you, like where she's sitting in the living room is probably 30 feet to the front door. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I can't find his location. So I have no shoes on and I like run outside frantically because, and like I'm freaking out that I'm, I'm wrong. Like he didn't, he's not doing this again. Absolutely no way. Like I'm starting to have my panic attack moment feeling and they get out there. His car's gone. Open the garage. It's not in there. And I'm like, oh my God. And as I'm walking back to the house to like grab my car keys, cause like, I'm going to go find him. Like I am in this, in this zone that I'm panicking. I look at the ring doorbell and the, the previous, like last hour, he legitimately moved basically all of his clothing out the front door while my mom was sitting on the couch Oh my God. Like you can see him coming in and out and putting the clothes in like the little grocery wagon that we have and pulling them and then coming back and like kind of like on his phone. Like, but like 
He totally <laughs> planned this and waited for you to be on that call to not be watching right? him. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God. It was, and like, oh. I don't know, maybe because I'm a fucking normal person, but I would assume that if you're going to be like about to abandon, abandon like the person you're going to marry within the next six days, the, the look on your face while you're doing it would have some sort of emotion showing like it, it would be like, Oh, you know, maybe pensive. I don't know if I should do this or like happy, like you're going to get away. And like, there's no emotion on his face, like flat affect, just like a machine taking stuff into the house, putting it into the car, back forth, back forth, maybe five trips. Like I was so confused how my mom couldn't have seen that. Yeah. What do you tell her when you get back? I'm like, he took all of his stuff. How did you not see that? And she's like, I don't, I just wasn't paying attention. The way the door opened, I guess like it opened so that it kind of blocked the doorway from the stairs because the stairs kind of walked straight out of the door. She's like, but I, I don't, I don't know what I thought he was doing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go and try and find him because this is crazy. He cannot be doing this. And I literally grabbed my keys and my phone still no shoes on. And I ran to my Jeep and I just started like driving around and I'm trying to text him. And finally, one of my texts goes through and I get a text back. So I'm like, where are you? Please don't do this. Like, how could you possibly be doing this? We're getting married in six days. Like I'm freaking out. And I get a text back from him and it's long. And this is verbatim what it says. I am sad and sorry. I packed up as much as I reasonably could. I love you, but I don't think I can get married to you. You're the best person I've ever dated. But I still feel like my heart aches every day in deep depression. And I am in worse shape financially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually than I was when I met you. This is in no way to blame you because it's not your fault. But I can't ignore the fact that I want to kill myself or die often when I've never felt that before you. I'm so sorry. Jesus. And so there's so many emotions wrapped up in that. And like, truth be told, like right now, like my heart is beating like it's happening again. The PTSD surrounding this and, and everything else after that is so real and I'm still going through it. Um so sorry if I'm like a little bit winded. Um, it's hard for me to hear that he's saying that he's suicidal because I didn't, I didn't know that. And while I knew that he was kind of sad here and there and he was unhappy with where he was at in life, like I had no idea that the person that I love that I'm giving so much love to that he's literally, it doesn't matter. Like he's, in the mental state that he's like, I want to die, made me feel so bad about myself. And also like, again, protective or just like, I overly empathetic to him. But then again, you're not telling me any of this. So I have, I'm not aware you're not communicating how you feel at all. Now you've just left me. So I'm in the car. And we lived basically off of the main highway that you drive on for a hundred miles to get to Vegas. And so now I have a, a communication line. I'm not blocked. And I'm like, please just pull over. Like, let me talk to you. I'm not going to 
I'm not going to beg you to stay if you want to go. But like, you're just going to end all of it. People are already here for our wedding. Like, what do you mean? And he was like, no, I can't. I can't pull over. Like, I I just got to go. And I was like, dick. And I thought of the fact that there's like the Mormon temple was like kind of in be like on the way. Like I assumed he hadn't gotten to it yet. I'm like, just meet me at the temple. Like, just meet me there because I'm going to go there because I'm really like lost and fucked up right now. And like, I just, I need to pray on this because I don't know what I should do. And I'm like, I'll be there if you want to meet me there. And he didn't say yes or no. I picked up, so that was a text conversation. I picked up the phone and I called his mom and I called our bishop and his mom was basically like, I can't believe he's doing this again. Cause I had told her in the past, I thought everything was okay. She's like, just, just breathe and, you know, go to the temple and pray. Like she's very like godly woman. And so she's like, just go there no matter what happens. Like you'll, it'll be good if you go there. Okay. So call the bishop. He kind of says along the same lines, the bishop was actually like, how about uh, I'm going to try and reach out to him. And I think he did. I think he called Dick and was like, you should meet Amanda at the temple. Like do something like be a man. And, and if you don't want to be with her, then say to her face, but like also in front of God kind of thing. Hmm. And so holding him accountable. Yeah. Like, And that's the thing. It's like he's never, never held accountable. Mm-hmm. He just does things and then he moves on from, but everything that's left in the wake of his actions has to sort itself out. Like that's not okay. Almost a 30 year old man, you know? Yeah. So, so does he meet you? Yeah. So I got to the temple and I think I waited like in my car for probably like 15 minutes and he did show up and I felt like an overwhelming like sigh of relief. But I didn't know if it was like, okay, he's here and he's changed his mind and he's going to come home or if it's he's here and he's going to now tell me to my face. So I was also like, again, nervous. And it's weird because this is a person I sleep next to every night. And now I'm like on pins and needles, like to see, I was nervous to get out of the car and see him. So I get out of the car and I have no shoes on and like, I'm in the most baggy clothes ever. And we walk up the temple grounds and we're sitting on one of the benches. And it's, it's almost embarrassing because there's people coming in and out of the temple, like dressed in dress clothes, like, and we're, I look like a homeless person and I don't, I'm crying and we're just sitting there and we're talking, we're talking like, I didn't know that you were so sad. I'm so sorry. Like, if you would have told me about this, we could have figured it out together. We really started, the conversation really took, uh, I guess, like, was centered around the fact that I have always strived for us to be a we. And it's like he fought that every opportunity that he could, didn't refer to us as we. It was always I me or you know Amanda like never even us and I'm like if you can subscribe to this idea that like we're one and that's the whole point of being in love and supporting each other is that if you need something like I'll help you like 
I am, that's why I want to, that's why I said yes to you asking me to marry you. It's like, I want to be there for you. I want to lift you up. And despite everything, and they said this, I was like, despite everything that people have told me that I have found out myself, I'm still choosing you. And it doesn't feel good that you don't think that that's worth anything. And like, a common theme of our deep discussions is really like I'm talking a lot and he's not really saying anything. He's kind of just stoically staring, whatever. But he talked and he was, you know, talking about his feelings and he was alluding, you know, I'm in worse financial situation and all of this kind of stuff. And I was like, you're the one gambling. All of the problems that you just listed are 100% your responsibility. And do you think that you're going to go run off to Las Vegas and continue the life that you're doing and meet somebody else and you're not going to bring those same problems into that relationship or whatever the fuck else happens? And I'm just being very factual. Like, if you don't fix that, it's going to follow you every single place that you go. And so you have the choice to say, I want to fix myself for myself, but also for my marriage. And isn't that worth something? You're just going to throw away all of the shit that we've gotten through. And you're like, it didn't make any sense to me. And I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I plead my case good enough, right? Because he was like, okay, let's go home. Wow. And I think we probably sat out there for a good two hours. My mom is calling me. She doesn't know what's going on. She knows that someone fucking hurt her daughter. So now we're going to go back to my house and what, unpack the car and it back into the house in front of her when he just was very discreetly trying to abandon me again. Right. And I bet you're even scared because I'm sure mom's, you know, initial response is, I'm going to stick up for my daughter. And right. you're worried if you set him off again, he might just run out the door again. Totally. Oh, no. I, I didn't really know what to expect when I walked back in, but I walked back in first and she was like, is he here? And I'm like, yes, but please, mom, like, don't freak out. Like, I was like, just we'll all talk about it. And we did. We had a conversation and she was being very motherly, like, this can't happen. You can't do this, Mm -hmm. whatever. So that, yeah, that was really... That was really, really a bad day for me. And I, when I tell you that abandonment is something that I, I didn't really realize was a, a trauma of mine, like fear of abandonment, I knew now for sure that like it was an issue for me, not only from childhood, but it's from this. This was going to be a moment that was so fucking ingrained in my brain that I knew I was going to have to go to therapy to get over it because I was already feeling like if I leave, he's going to leave. And now like he was ready to dip out in front of my mom a few days before we got married. And I just, I don't know. I felt like this like hole in my soul because I, I was like, I don't ever want to feel like I can't trust him, but I still, I was feeling that. I was like, I can't trust him. And this is really scary because we're getting married now in five days. And I think we kind of were by ourselves away from my mom for the rest of the evening. And we we went upstairs. And I, I was like, I think we need to just be very transparent with each other here. Because 
there are things that you're doing that are is not okay with me and we're getting married and you, you chose to stay. Thank you for that. But like, we need to get it all out on the table. And he just kind of starts like word vomiting. And he's like, I'm not happy with my job at Paychex. I don't enjoy it. And you're right. Like, I should have told you that I started the OnlyFans up. And the reason that I did that is because that's just so easy for me. And I'm like, okay, thank you for talking. Like, you know, mm-hmm. thanks for speaking. Um, how can we, how can we make this work to where I don't feel like you're always hiding stuff from me and always going to be running away? And he, and I said, and also, I don't want you to feel like you, you, you're suicidal. Like, what is that? What is that stemming around? And he's like, I think a lot of it has to do with finances. And I'm like, okay, I can understand that money's a huge trigger for me. And I just thought in that moment, I'm like, what do I know about this person who I'm going to marry? Well, I know that he's very charismatic and can be a very likable person. I know that he just said that OnlyFans and everything is very easy for him and that he has made a lot of money in the past. Like he's alluding like, before I met you, I was, I was real good financially. Well, what was he doing before he met me? He was doing OnlyFans. Yeah. I didn't ask him to stop, but he did. And I was like, okay, how about this? And I said this, I said, I think you should quit paychecks. And I don't know if I'm going to regret saying this, but I think that you should do the adult content stuff. Like it's easy for you you don't have any like emotional attachment to these people. Right. And he's like, no. And I'm like, so it's basically just like, you're an actor. You can work eight to five or whatever it is and, and be Brett Michaels and then be done with it. And you can come back and be Dick for me. And as long as you promise me, like promise to God that it's not going to, I don't know, spiral into something where I start getting jealous or whatever. I'm okay with that. Like there are people who are porn stars and they're married, you know, like I, he's not saying I'm like, please, no physical stuff. Like I, if you, if anybody would think it was cheating, I would think it was cheating. And so no physical stuff. Okay. Like no in-person meetups, like nothing like that. But if you can promise me, like we can make this actually like a business, because that's how my mind thinks. It's mm-hmm. like, I already think it's sketch. How do I legitify it? Yeah. You're such a doll. You're coming at him with empathy, understanding, trying to find out what his strengths are, letting Dick be Dick, and making it legit. Like, I think that's awesome, honestly. Yeah, I think that a lot of people in the past have questioned whether or not I have known about all of the stuff that he did or does or, you know, is currently doing. And the answer to that is always like, prior to me, I didn't have all the details. During me, after I was like, hey, because I, like I said, I'm the one who initiated it. I just wanted him to be happy and not feel so sad and depressed and suicidal. Um, he was very transparent with everything that he was doing and it was like taboo stuff. So I really believed that there wasn't anything that I didn't know about Mm -hmm. with it. 
Well, it's, it's like, I think if you have people judging you and saying that, it's not white or black. It's super gray. They didn't know what your guys' boundaries were mm-hmm. and what you were okay with and not okay with. And to me, it sounds like, like you said, okay, you're you're an actor and I'm cool with this. You're happy. But my line that I'm drawing is physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way you describe that to me, you made that really clear that evening, right? Yeah. That, like, I don't want you to go on physical dates. Okay. I don't want people to think that they can touch you. I also think that I put a boundary in line that, like, I wanted it to be widely known that he was married to a woman. Like, I include me and our life into it so that it's real and so that people know that they can't fuck with you like that. And so I just felt like moving forward, things were going to be better. And he also kind of, like, had this weird exclamation of, like, almost, like, exaggerated sigh and he's like oh and I'm like what and he's like this whole time you didn't even ask me to stop doing it I thought I was doing something good for us by stopping and in reality the last year of our lives has been miserable because I thought that you didn't accept that and I was like no babe like that's this is communication. Mm-hmm. If he would have been better at communicating at the beginning, would we have been in the financial situation we were in from the very start? I don't know. Like, I truthfully don't know. But, like, I, f- I felt for him because I could I could see, like, the misconception and, and the want to, to have a normal 9 to 5. But at the end of the day, it's just not who he is. Mm-hmm. And so that's really – that's kind of where we leave off before the wedding really is is more clarity – almost more hope because now it's we're going to be doing something that he's familiar with that he knows is successful and now you're doing it as a team and we're doing it as a team you're going to make him legit yes not a scammer anymore not a scammer well fuck you out of that right we'll see we'll see (laughs) we'll see is right hey everyone thank you for listening to episode three electric daisy abandonment Please don't forget to follow and review and share with your friends. This part of my relationship was a really difficult time for me. I was starting to get really beat down mentally and emotionally. The blows kept coming closer and closer together, but now the trauma bond was stronger than ever. Not only do we have similar backstories, but now we've gotten through hard times that make me feel even more emotionally connected to him and also slightly responsible for his happiness. Understanding the impact that a toxic relationship can have on you is what I want to emphasize here, because I had no idea. Do yourself a favor and let my misjudgments be a guidebook on what not to do. Next week in episode four, you'll learn how my dream wedding transforms into an emergency room nightmare.